What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Blockhash Podcast. Quick sponsor message from BNFT and Nitro Betting. BNFT is a groundbreaking platform that combines the unstoppable force of blockchain technology and the limitless potential of artificial intelligence AI to revolutionize personalized learning and earning experiences. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. BNFT leverages AI to create immersive educational environments for collaboration and utilizes DeFi to transcend traditional e-learning experiences. You can also earn exclusive certificates and showcase your achievements with those unique NFTs. You can learn more by going to bnft.solutions and their social media channels. Also check out our sponsor, Nitro Betting. This one is very interesting and fascinating to me. They are a top Bitcoin and crypto betting site. They allow you to place bets in casino games, sports books, racing, even video games like Rocket League and Call of Duty, you name it. It's your money. You should be able to have fun with it. You should be able to do something with it outside of traditional investing. And, you know, Nitro Betting gives you exactly that opportunity. So check out all the action at nitrobetting.eu. All links are in the description below. Enjoy the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Blockhash Exploring the Blockchain, episode 347. Today, with a core contributor to Hover, Vincent Wu, here to talk about Hover and what they are doing within the DeFi space in regards uh, to the lending market and all the interesting things that they have rolling out on their roadmap. Vincent, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Super excited to learn more about what you guys are doing with Hover, what you guys are doing in the space. And um, yeah, how you doing, man? Oh, man, it's a pleasure to be on here. And yeah, I can tell you a bit about uh, Hover. I can also give you a bit of my background. It might uh, provide some context to uh, what we're building at Hover as well. Um, maybe we can get started that way. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I guess just a bit about my background. You know, I was in uh, m and advisory, sell-side investment banking, uh, probably before 2016. Uh, got into crypto in around... 16 uh did a few startups in the liquidity space and the io due diligence space um they were called icos back then uh we didn't really have a host for exchanges uh for a lot of these and we were just scrambling to find uh centralized exchanges uh, during that time uh shortly after that you know that was probably built around 2017 bear market uh i worked for a uh, regulated canadian exchange and helped build out their uh corporate development efforts uh virgo cx shout out to that uh, I also worked with uh, Aquanow for their liquidity uh, aggregation and helping, you know, learn more about the flows and uh, how the liquidity through centralized exchanges uh, have integrated, uh, helped build out a lot of OTC desks and uh, institutional products, uh, mostly for, uh, you know, Trad5, trying to, trying to border on to Web3, uh, also with uh, uh, Web3 trying to get more efficient capital. 
Um, most recently, I was at uh, Crypto.com, leading their uh, institutional sales efforts, uh, built out the team for North America, and I helped structure the market-making program, working with mostly prop desks, institutions, and the hedge funds. Um, yeah, and then um, shortly after, I, I uh, learned about Hover, um, uh, tried for, you know, just uh, becoming a core contributor. I think that, you know, my skills kind of helped out in terms of being able to, uh, you know, build and shape Hover as well. Um, and a bit more about that too. Uh, Hover is the premier lending protocol uh, that will be launched on the Kava network. Uh, we are looking to get cross-chain support to cater to the entirety of the Cosmos ecosystem and more. Uh, what we're doing is that we're effectively offering, you know, capital efficient liquidity through our over-collateralized loans, similar to Aave and Compound in a way. Um, but we're building out the uh, lending and uh, borrowing primitives that, uh, and, and you know, focused on natively deploying on Kava. Very nice. Um, you know, just reeling it back really quick to your background one more time. What was there anything in particular that made you excited? You know, about getting into Web three and, and into DeFi like way before Hover. Like, was there like an initial like inspiration for you or a light bulb that went off and you're like, ah, oh, this is the industry I want to work in. This is what I want to do. Yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting, right? <laughs> you saw a lot of the people that, uh, you know, you go into the office and you're basically in a, you know, suit and tie and you're hitting up the desk every day. Uh, mm -hmm. What was interesting about DeFi and Web3 uh, uh, mainly is that most of it's just completely remote. So, I mean, even when you're comparing the work from home situations and you've been mm -hmm. doing it since 2016, 2017, it's not really a big deal. <laughs> you're just going you know, day in, day out. Uh, the interesting part about it is probably when I first send funds for the first time and it, you're sending it to someone that you don't even know. Like, for example, I'll give you a very specific example is for uh, like a marketing, uh, you know, like a, a marketing partnership. And mm -hmm. uh, they demanded it in USDT and you just sent it there. You don't really need to know. Uh, well, I mean, we know, but <laughs> you theoretically didn't need to know their company, uh, you know, their, their uh, uh, receiving address, uh, your, you, you didn't even need to know their, you know, their address, their billing address, things like mm -hmm. that. All you have to do is just know their uh, wallet address and just be able to send it to them. And that was it. And I think that it was uh, pretty interesting in that regard, just being able to transfer value seamlessly online. Yeah, I think that's the most attractive thing about DeFi these days is not having that centralized component that you have to rely on that actually causes so many different kinds of hiccups and problems in traditional finance. Um, and there's so many opportunities, I think, for a lot of people in DeFi to get access to financial tools and instruments and methods that they don't normally have access to. Lending and borrowing and potential credit and transfers and... Um, banking initiatives like there, there's so many things so many different arenas you can go down with DeFi. it's, it's very exciting um and with hover what what do you think separates you guys the most from the other competition out there within the DeFi space like what do you guys feel you do maybe differently i think some of the things that are uh different from us is that we work very closely with the kava foundation so mm -hmm. uh we feel like that uh a lot of uh protocol primitives, if they're not being built by the protocol themselves, then uh, a lot of which you don't get to see the sense of direction that the protocol is taking. And for us, since we work very closely, we're able to 
you know, be able to see upcoming developments. Uh, for example, Kava just deployed uh, USDT natively on their chain. And this is a huge step for us and huge step for the Cosmos ecosystem, since now we have, you know, native, uh, uh, native stable coins being deployed. And now when retail users are looking to get onto Kava, get onto Cosmos, uh, at least, you know, for the EVM side, you can see the, you can see the ease of integration. Uh, most of the off-ramping is done on centralized exchanges. So I can give you an example for uh, USDT on TRC20, Tron. Uh, there was a time when gas prices were uh, up the roof for ETH. It was, you mm -hmm. know, $200, $400 to even transfer or interact with a smart contract. Uh, a lot of the alternatives then were, uh, and this is exactly what we saw, it was a huge influx of USDT withdrawals on the Tron network just because it costed, you know, uh, uh, like a fraction of a dollar. So when you see these uh, off-ramp options available, it's very interesting for ecosystems like Kava because now uh, for us to be building on Kava, we can help them utilize that extra USDT. We can help them, uh, you know, uh, utilize our uh, idle assets. And I think those are some of the interesting business opportunities on why we're building on Kava. And in addition to that, uh, what's different from uh, us uh, in terms of lending protocol, uh, we focus a lot about long-term token economics and we built it in a way where you know, we are a lot different from other lending protocols, uh, one of which is we have, you know, like a very strong hover rewards program where we're offering, uh, we're offering, you know, boring, uh, boring fee rebates, lending rebates and, uh, you know, liquidation rebates and uh, various discounts uh, on our on our platform just for being able to stake uh, your hover tokens. Yeah, I, I think being able to have USDT natively integrated really creates a better on-ramp. Is that the only uh, main stablecoin within the ecosystem right now? Or do you know if they're going to integrate maybe something else like USDC, for example? Yeah, I think USDC is in the works. Uh, obviously, this is something that uh, the uh, Kava Foundation is working with. But as as they, as they get closer to these, um, you know, we're expecting a lot more uh, stable assets to be on the uh, network and uh, allowing us to further utilize that and offer that as an option to, you know, anyone that is participating on, uh, uh, I guess, like our markets. Gotcha. And you guys have a launch coming up, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's going to be a two-tiered launch. We have a uh, public sale. Uh, we also have something called Genesis Pools. Um, and I can also give you a bit more about <laughs> Genesis, yeah, uh, sure. Genesis Pools as well, if, if you're not familiar with it, right? I'm not that familiar with Genesis pools. So yeah, tell, tell me about it a little bit more. Like what, what is that? Awesome. So from our total supply, we've allocated a percentage that we are, off, uh, that we're offering to, you know, early adopters into our Genesis pools. Uh, how that typically works is that we have a uh, deposit period where you can deposit your assets onto, uh, onto hover. Um, and this is in the, in the perspective of providing liquidity, but uh in return um for the uh tokens that you're uh depositing into the genesis pool that you're supplying the liquidity with we're offering you an apy and this apy will be in in a form of uh a free call option if you believe in hover if you believe in the team so uh this allows you to accumulate the apy over a certain um certain period of time i think we're looking at two weeks don't quote me on this <laughs> but uh we are looking at uh around two weeks for the genesis pools um 
And this allows um, anyone that is looking for a free call option to be able to stake their assets early on Hover and to be able to earn an APOI on that. In addition, we also have a uh, public sale as well. Very cool. What, where's the public sale taking place? Are you just doing it through uh, the ecosystem on your guys' own site or using a third-party site for this? Yeah, so currently we're in discussions with uh, Dowmaker. I'm not sure if we should be putting that on or not. <laughs> so, so, so we'll see. Uh, okay. But uh, we're we're in uh, we're in talks with them, uh, and uh, you know, post uh, post that uh, post the raise discussion, we're also uh, talking to various centralized exchanges as well. Very cool. Um, how do you, how do you see you know this whole market kind of shaking out and evolving? It's obviously a very interesting point in time, I think, for for crypto and blockchain overall and the whole web three space, but in particular with DeFi, with, with lending and borrowing and, you know, kind of getting to this DeFi 2.0 next version of what the centralized finance can be. How do you kind of see that, you know, emerging over the next couple of years and, you know, where hover is kind of fitting into that future vision? That's a really good question. And these are the things it's a big we, one. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> I think we stay up and we think about this at night. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, uh, for a lot of which uh, the DeFi lending markets in particular, um, we're seeing a lot of growth in that aspect as a lot of experimental ideas, right? Um, maybe like back then we had like uh, Barnbridge, for example, um, they're now defunct, but they were planning a lot of uh, various derivatives and uh, different uh, uh, different in a way, structured products that are very similar to what you see in modern day Wall Street, right? Um, for us as a lending protocol, as you can kind of see with a lot of the Web3 based lending protocols, they were, uh, yeah, most of which are over collateralized, right? There isn't any way about it or any way around it right now. Um, obviously, there's a few uh, projects that are doing something, but it's more so of a credit factor, right? It's a, it's a credit risk for you to um give under collateralized loans because how else are you going to find them i can literally build a wallet address get an under collateral uh, under collateralized loan and disappear <laughs> um that's effectively what it has been so in the way that you know for the root of things in order to keep um you know uh keep that uh decentralized aspect and keep that privacy aspect uh most loans on DeFi uh, are over collateralized and as and I, I think that you know in the future, like uh, as these systems be, uh, become more mainstream, um, we can we can see you know ways that people can opt in for under collateralized loans. I think that might be interesting, right? Uh, you have Quadrata mm -hmm. with KYC passports. You have these soulbound tokens, and that you can attach it to your ID. There's a lot of very interesting things that you can do with this technology that will you know, not have you doing KYC at every lending protocol in order to get under collateralized loan. I think those are some right. of the things that are currently being built. And uh, there's a lot of these pieces that are just floating around. And all it takes is someone to be able to take these pieces together, you know, construct that and then offer, you know, uh, different, um, I guess, like different products to different types of people. Um, some people are, you know, privacy maxis. I was just on a podcast with, right. with another group of people. And, you know, they were they, they didn't even want to, um, you know, uh, have updates for your uh, uh, via email. Uh, they think that that's even even that is too far because now it's attaching your wallet address to your email and they didn't want that. Right. Even if you had great features, like, for example, you know, at Hover, we can we can warn you when you're uh, when you're uh, 
uh, I guess like when your loan help is uh, going, going close to one, for example, you're close to liquidation. We, we would love to send you an email to let you know, uh, but uh, it, that requires us to you know, have your email, have your wallet address, and then be able to send you that notification. Uh, whether uh, I know that a lot of retail would be very interested in having that, but it ultimately mm -hmm. depends. And it depends on your level and your tolerance for privacy. So as you start seeing these uh, build out, as you start seeing this market grow, you're going to see a lot of different uh, customer archetypes and demographics that are participating in this ecosystem. And their range for you know, comfort or what their range for privacy ultimately varies. And I think that as this market grows, we're going to be catered to, uh, catering to a lot of these different um, archetypes. Yeah, I, I think the main market for something like this is the the standard degen in the space and and uh, it's it's great i mean I, I i'd like to say that and consider myself one sometimes too but um when you're trying to get to retail and trying to sell some kind of product to people or get them to use a service it can be a little bit more difficult if they don't want to use their name or an address or their id like they really want to be anonymous or decentralized or not have anything tied back to them i can understand that i i totally get that point but it presents a lot of um, issues like like you're talking about. If you want to at least send them like an email update, well, you can't even do that. So it, it gets it gets a little tricky. Um, and collateralized lending too is a very interesting thing in DeFi, I think as well, because with crypto, it's different than if you were to take collateral and borrow against like fiat, where you know the currency is relatively stable. It's not going to disappear in a short period of time, or you're not going to be down 50, 60%, and all of a sudden your collateralized assets are getting liquidated. And it's, it's a, been a bit of a problem, I think, in the DeFi space. Like I've taken advantage of it and it works, mm -hmm. but you know, you have to be really careful and strategic about it. Like if I borrow against my Bitcoin to whatever I want to borrow for, um, and Bitcoin takes a downturn and it goes down 20, 30, 40%, you know. That that's gonna that's gonna kill my collateralized asset. Mm -hmm. So it'd be really cool to see in the DeFi space some of these more innovative solutions. Maybe have some kind of credit. Maybe have like DIDs. I know are getting really popular. Maybe having that attached somehow to an address you own, so that the DGens can protect their identity. But at the same time, you can have something structured that you can track in terms of maybe borrowing and payments history. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things that need to change, but I think we're getting closer. Yeah, I mean, uh, as 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 long as we get more history, right? I think that if you can kind of see the the borrowing history of uh, certain wallet addresses and being able to specify right. a bit more about, okay, has has this person had relatively good credit? Have they been doing repayments? Have and kind of give them a credit based on that wallet address. It doesn't even have to be that person. And obviously, there will be that cherry on top where, okay, great, they have KYC through Quadrata or they have the soulbound token that represents who they are as a person, then that's great. That will be additional security. But the interesting thing about you know having smart contract, having a permissioned access, is that you can pick what you uh, want to see. And this mm -hmm. helps because you could be like, oh, do they have uh, the Quadrata KYC passport, for example? We're working with Quadrata, so full, <laughs> full shout out to them. But you know, if, if they have uh, you know the Quadrata KYC passport, you don't have to see the contents of the passport. You can just know if they have it or not. And from there, it kind of helps with your you know quote unquote credit score, and allows you to you know be able to. Well, maybe now you can have um, under collateralized by you know like twenty or thirty percent. 
but you can have even um, you can have even more depending on you know what type of asset it is, depending on you know how your uh, borrowing and your repayments have been, and also if you have KYC or not. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity there for permissioned access to be able to kind of go into these um, to be able to go into a lending protocol and then just kind of prove your 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 track record per se, and then that allows you to have but you know uh, uh, better rates, maybe uh, more uh, more to borrow and things like that. And that's where we're seeing a lot of uh, change because I felt like from from the area from the era from where uh, Ave and Compound popped out, they 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 were substantial in terms of being able to uh, have this mentality shift towards okay, we can build these uh, tradfi esque products on chain, and this works, and it's working for you know like a billion TBL. Something like that. I I can't remember on on the top of my head where uh, where Avi and Compound are at, but there has been a lot of supply liquidity, and I think during prime times there was also a pretty uh, a pretty efficient amounts of borrowing as well. And from that, we can start seeing you know people start building off uh, different types of technology that allows more aspects of the tradfi market <laughs> into DeFi. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders. With ShipStation, they make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. Exactly. I think that's going to be the sweet spot is finding a way to kind of merge those two worlds a little bit. There's a lot more interest these days from TradFi wanting to take a bit of that market pie from DeFi and take advantage of some of these tools that are being created in blockchain. Um, but it's the DeFi space that I think is pushing back really hard. It's like, no, we don't want to be associated with you. We don't want to. We don't want to be centralized in any kind of way. But it's a, that, that's that's the trick to solve. Um, and I think maybe having some kind of reward system too. And you know, if you're using the same address and you have good payments history and you're allowing that to be. Uh, recognized and tracked on chain, uh, maybe being able to offer lower interest rates at some point, or um, maybe some kind of token reward or airdrop opportunities for being able to, you know, get a loan and pay it back and contribute to the liquidity pool. Because there's got to be some kind of ecosystem around that at some point where people feel invested into into doing it. Like if I go to Bank of America to get a, a small business loan for something, um, you know, obviously they track it and, and if I pay back my loan over time, you know, I get better rates, I get better credit cards, I get all kinds of benefits. Um, that, that's another thing that needs to get integrated into DeFi at some point in, in a way that people feel comfortable and they can just use an address or something simple and something they control without giving up all that info. That's exactly it. And that's exactly what we're building at Hover. Uh, we've seen that a lot of the lending protocols now, they have, you know, the, uh, most protocols have tokens. And the tokens embedded uh, specifically for lending protocols. What we've seen is that a lot of which was just you know either used for emissions or used for governance. There really wasn't much uh, distinction uh, uh, in terms of more complex uh, token economic systems. So some of the things that we've built uh, is a pretty intricate uh, incentive program. Uh, we mm-hmm. called it Hover Rewards, and um, effectively. Most of most of DeFi believes in skin in the game. I think we do too, and therefore we have you know tiered staking programs. Uh, this allows you to um, 
you know get uh, get discounts uh we're uh we're allowing you know like uh liquidation rebates uh we, you can get your um you can get uh, for example you didn't pay attention and you know maybe were liquidated from a large uh, market movement uh if you were a you know like vip7 tier or something like that then we would actually give you a portion of your collateral back and we'll also give you a portion of our uh hove tokens back as well uh as an incentive for you to be a part of our ecosystem this is this also includes um, you know boring rate discounts and uh, various other discounts and also uh rewards for participating in our ecosystem whether you are uh you know part partaking in governance or if you've KYC'd, then uh, uh, you know a portion of our revenue protocol, even. So there's a lot of things that we're trying to build that would, you know, further incentivize participation in our ecosystem. Not just, hey, look, <laughs> here are the here are the high APY emissions that we're going to provide you guys. Uh, hopefully, you guys stay on. <laughs> we're looking right. for uh, something a bit more long term. And uh, as we start seeing, you know, uh, as we start seeing the DeFi lending market evolve. Uh, in terms of you know everything that we discussed prior, uh, this will be a great tie-in. And now that we have like a strong initial program, we can you know tie in a lot of these other benefits to base to reward all our uh, users, whether they're you know whether they're supplying liquidity or they're borrowing it. Hey guys, taking a quick break from the podcast to talk to you about our sponsor, Nitro Betting. Want to highlight something really cool in regards to anonymity and security. And one of the top features that Nitro Betting offers involves being able to gamble if you want to anonymously, completely anonymous, without having to input all this KYC data, your ID, your personal information. You just want to play. You just want to have fun. That's the benefit of you know online casinos within the DeFi space online sports books um being able to wager and bet and you know guys have fun so they have a very simple straightforward registration process they make it really easy to facilitate crypto transactions and transfers and to move your value there and to again have fun without revealing all this information about your identity and what you're doing so that's the whole point so be sure to check out nitrobetting.eu. All right, guys, back to the episode. Yeah, let's talk about the, some of those benefits potentially. Um, I know you had the launch coming up. We we mentioned that, but you know, beyond that on your roadmap, what are some things that you guys want to implement You know, down the line later in 2023, maybe going into early next year? Um, maybe some things that you're excited about or that you think will be really cool or um, awesome for users to take advantage of? Yeah, I mean... I think as a protocol in general, uh, and this is uh, something that I've been uh, um, also, I, I think just mainly thinking about myself, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, some of which would be like fixed rate borrowing, for example, being able to have fixed rates uh, for you to, you know, actually have a bit of stability. I think that when retail comes, um, it's pretty much inevitable. I think that they will come, <laughs> uh, whether it's a trickling approach, but most of them will look for stability. Um, inherently, when you're borrowing assets, um, you have to monitor a lot of things, right? If the underlying asset that you're lending as collateral is moving in value, uh, that's a risk to the borrower. Um, if you're also, uh, and if, if you're also looking at the uh, potential opportunity cost of what you're borrowing for and the repayment percentage, these are all opportunity costs that retail has to think about whenever they take out a, whenever they borrow. And for us as you know, lending protocols, we want people to borrow. So how do you make it so that the decision is a bit more easier for them? Uh, how do they and you know manage the expectations in a way 
So, you know, some of the things that we're looking at is like fixed rate borrowing, um, you know, being able to provide, um, you can probably get this yield somewhere, you know, by doing LSDs or liquid staking tokens, um, you know, being able to uh, take care of it in the back end to provide them with something that is a bit more stable. I think, you know, things like that might be interesting. Um, I've heard, I heard a lot of ChadFi guys that are just asking about the borrow rates because they want to be able to off ramp and shove into like a GIC for a year and be able to hedge their risk on the uh, Web3 side. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can strategize and uh, build opportunities on, I guess, like Web3 lending markets. And what I really want to be able to do is to give them the tools to do so. You know, you're looking at, um, you know, uh, uh, recursive lending strategies. Sure, we will. <laughs> We'll try to build something so that it'll be easier for you to do so. Uh, if you're looking at, you know, um, leverage lending or uh, leverage pools, sure. Um, you know, we will we will look at MIM and we'll see what uh, we can work with with them and have that as uh, something on hover. So there's a lot of uh, collaboration that I see in the space. Um, I'm a strong advocate for the Kava ecosystem. So at the same time, I'm also looking at new projects or uh, seeing uh, whoever wants to like existing protocols that want to deploy on Kava, you know, I'm very open to chatting with them, seeing what we can do, and then finding you know potential synergies that can kind of make this you know just a uh, from a uh, borrowing and lending uh, market and protocol to something a bit more that allows people to you know fully utilize their assets. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like, if someone wanted to partner with you guys, or they wanted to get in contact, and maybe they want to collaborate in some kind of way. What's the best way to do that? Is it through the website? Do you guys have a separate place where they can submit a form or get in contact with you directly? Yeah, I mean, uh, so far I am uh, leading all the uh, business development uh, initiatives at Hover. And um, I'm, you know, speaking a lot with the Kava team and seeing how I can champion their business development strategies on that side. So, uh, you know, we we have a TG, right? Hover, uh, Hover Markets. We also have uh, Twitter, uh, Hover underscore Markets. Wait, let me... Yeah, uh, <laughs> we have a twitter.com slash hover underscore markets. Uh, under oh my god, wait, no, it's hover market. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah, it's twitter.com slash hover underscore market. And we have the uh, telegram links there. I'm frequently on there, so it's a great way to be able to reach out if you know an existing protocol is looking to deploy on Kava. If, um, yeah, and if anyone's interested in collaborating as well, um, we are relatively flexible. Uh, we're working with RBL as a our tech uh, implementation, uh, Rome Blockchain Labs. They built like a plethora of other protocols, right? They've built Banky, one of the larger ones on Aave, uh, Moonwell, uh, Moonbeam. Um, super, super great guys. And uh, we are working very closely together to look at how we can, you know, grow and make these lending markets more not only more effective but uh, more attractive to uh, either retail or institutional very cool it's very exciting what you guys are working on um and it's it's been great kind of learning more about you know how you guys are taking your current approach and how you guys kind of stand out how you leverage the kava ecosystem how you integrate rewards um it, it's really cool to see that in a DeFi protocol so thank you for sharing all that today and um, for taking the time to come on the show and share that with the audience, you know, I think they'll find this very valuable. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, where, where can they go if they want to use Hover? Um, like they, they want to uh, connect their wallet. They want to go learn, get some more documentation on Hover and, you know, what all they can do uh, with what you guys got. 
uh, where would you direct them? Just to the website, social media, to the Telegram? Awesome. So uh, our website is hover.market. And that basically has all our social media on there. Um, we have our Twitter on there that we're going to constantly posting updates about when you can deposit uh, supply assets and deposit into our Genesis pools. Uh, we also have our Telegram community where you can ask whatever questions you want. You can even say, hey, I, I came from the Blockhash podcast and I just want to be able to get clarifications on whatever you said. I'm always on there, so I'm always going to be able to pick that up. Uh, and at the same time, um, I think our, yeah, our Twitter and our Telegram is the best way to contact us. And um, everyone's there and we're continuously building and we'll answer any questions. And it's kind of like our, uh, uh, our, our, our breaks. <laughs> nice. What about, what about you? Is that also the best place to, for people to stalk you and ask you questions? Uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter mostly. So, I mean, I can uh, also add that twitter.com and then it will be uh, moonboy deluxe. So moonboy uh, deluxe. Yeah. You can tell like exactly. It. You can tell exactly how Web three native I am. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's where you can find me. Um, yeah, because I think uh, uh, for most of which I've been super into, like super into Web three. I've been uh, into the ecosystem. I think I've been on the rise and falls of all the uh, 2016, 2017 ICOs <laughs> and different other uh -huh. times ever since. So been there. What was, and back. What was the earliest uh, earliest point that you remember? paying attention to this market uh i oh my god i remember buying bitcoin from a bitcoin atm and we had one of the uh, first ones in canada so i was in there buying it because it was way too difficult to purchase online we had mount gox right and we all know yeah. how that turned out <laughs> and then yeah and then i think it was uh yeah it was around then um and I was, and as I was buying that Bitcoin, oh, this is like probably the revolutionary part for me, where the person that was seeing me go to the machine was like, "Hey, have you heard of Ethereum?" I was like, "No, what is that?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's seven dollars, and uh, it's going to be the world computer." It's like, "What is a world computer?" <laughs> <laughs> and that's I remember that stuff that too. Out. Yeah, I, I, I had bought some bitcoin like 2012 or 2013 like very small amount not like life-changing yeah. or anything yeah. uh some litecoin as well um lost it all through some stupid exchange because there weren't a lot of options back then and i yeah. wasn't gonna be using mount gox and um but like 2016 2017 i remember ethereum like being all the rage and it was like six dollars seven dollars and i had made a substantial investment in it i think in late no early 2017 but i remember the whole dow hack i remember everyone talking about ethereum oh they created the first decentralized organization yeah. it's the first time that's ever been done in the world and it's going to be life-changing and it's going to be the world supercomputer like i heard all the buzzwords um and then it ha got hacked and and everyone was like oh well it's dead now that's never going to happen it failed and and then obviously that look where we are today, but, <laughs> um, it, it's crazy how we go through these weird swings within this industry. And then you fast forward five years, which is nothing in reality. And you have a whole market and you have a whole ecosystem and you have millions and millions of people that are investing in the space, taking advantage of it, building things. It's, I've never seen an industry or been a part of one that has evolved so quickly. 
like Web3 has. It, it's very fascinating and very fun to be a part of it. I think that's exactly it, though. We're we're sandbox, right? Um, even with the whole uh, regulatory compliance part kicking in, you have all these uh, ETFs trying to get approved. Uh, it brings a lot of um, mainstream eyes onto digital assets, and it really uh, solidifies us as an asset class. And I think that there is a differentiation between what we're seeing, you know, on in, in TradFi and uh, the Web three native aspect of it. Um, you know, uh, I, I, even with meme coins, for example, it's a lot of uh, functions and it's a lot of testing. And I feel like that this is just a, a giant uh, degen sandbox where you're building out functions, you're understanding, and you're using TradFi as uh, as kind of like a guide. Right, like you're you're looking at how um, how lending markets work, and you're like, hmm, how can I translate this into code, and how do I make it so that I don't have to deal with a bank teller at the front, uh, you know, taking your money? Right. Uh, how can we, uh, you know, algorithmically determine these rates and be able to do it in a way that's healthy for our ecosystem? Like we are taking a lot of the fundamental concepts of traditional finance, and we're translating that over into Web three in a way where. You know, we don't need humans to do that. We have a, you know, open source, auditable smart contract that anyone can use and tap into. And it already provides the function that you need in a traditional financial system. So, and as we have that trend, like that transitionary phase from mm -hmm. something that's like, oh, um, you know, it, you're, 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 you're memeing it and you're just taking certain, you know, burn functions or something like that. Uh, you're taking all these small functions and you're building um, a protocol into this. And eventually, you have all these people that are early adopters are you know just just before that 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 curve of adoption, and you know whether it's uh you know whether it's good whether it's bad whether it blows up whether it doesn't, uh, at the end of the day you have something that is a bit more ballot tested and eventually it'll go past that and get mainstream uh, adoption if it works right. But we are in this 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 sandbox that's just con con continuously building and you know if it works it works and then we have something good but. It, it's a it's a long you know trial and tribulation for a lot of these projects it is and it's the first time that i think we've had something to really contrast with tradfi and the fact that bitcoin has stood the test of time thus far and done so well like i think probably better than even satoshi nakamoto would have ever imagined you know whether it's a, a him or a he or a they or an it's or, or an organization you know who knows but um no, I think even he would be pretty surprised. You know, it's it's something that has just through simple code has beat the whole financial system. And I think people are starting to finally realize that. And yeah, it's pioneered a whole decentralized space within Web3, but it's also forced TradFi to evolve. Um, you're, you're seeing guys that used to call Bitcoin rat poison and to call it a scam and that it was not going to amount to anything now just a few years later saying oh it's the new digital gold oh we we want to get it in traditional markets we want etfs and spot etfs and we want uh futures and leverage and we want to also invest in these companies take our money like it's they're, they're starting to see the picture it's like if you don't get on the bandwagon you know you're going to get left behind eventually and i think a lot of the smart players have started to pivot especially if recently which is really fascinating to watch when you see like BlackRock and Fidelity and VanEck and some of the biggest asset managers in the world now endorsing Bitcoin. It's like, how did we get here? Right. And, and, and 
like 12, 13 years, something like that, like in just a very short period of time. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> back from uh, <laughs> buying Bitcoin from a random guy at a coffee shop, right? To uh, now uh, having it as a uh, recognized as a um, actual <laughs> asset. It's 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 very interesting. Back when I worked at Crypto.com, we had a lot of uh, smaller FIs that are looking to get into Bitcoin, right? They're like, mm, we want be uh, we we want Bitcoin, we want Ethereum. Um, uh, can we onboard through you guys? And the onboarding process from the FI side was actually extremely difficult to do right they ask about you know custodial solutions they're uh, looking at the um basically the compliance that you're going through and you're you have to deal with a certain sop for working with the fi because they are technically wealth managers right financial institutions so right okay how like how do we cater to you guys and for us as a crypto native you know centralized exchange it, it was relatively difficult uh we have to jump through a lot of hoops in order to satisfy that fi in particular so that was tough, but now you're seeing things like spot ETFs being built and now they can get the exposure through there. But then when you're looking at something where, okay, how do we, like now we have this as an asset and we're holding it in our portfolio as an investor. How do we participate in this ecosystem as, you know, as someone that wants to partake in the ecosystem <laughs> for the lack of a better right. word. Um, mm -hmm. And most of which are looking at, you know, being able to go on centralized exchanges being able to withdraw that asset into your your MetaMask, your Rabi, uh, your uh, your browser wallet, and then being able to interact with the ecosystem there. But that is a process on its own. And as long as we have these two options, one for a traditional investor to get exposure to this to you know digital assets, and then we have the option for them to onboard on an exchange to explore the ecosystem. I think having these two avenues would open to a lot of adoption whether it's you know from the institutional side or whether it's from the retail that is looking to build on web3 i agree a hundred percent um there, there there's so much going on in the space and you know we could probably talk about this forever too we'll, we'll definitely have to wrap up the episode yeah. but maybe we can maybe we can schedule a time to do a part two and go into more detail on some of this stuff because it does get very fascinating it's unfortunately like a rabbit hole though and it's just <laughs> we, we could talk for hours probably if we really wanted to yeah i know <laughs> it's it's crazy man but yeah for sure like i'm definitely open to doing that and it's, it's crazy like you still have that uh, whole like the meme coin question i was just like man this is literally a podcast on its own you know yeah I, I was thinking about getting around to that question but i was like you know maybe let's save that because that's like a whole different arena of i, I, of I think that's talk about. that's a different podcast man <laughs> that's a different podcast right. i have my entire theory on that <laughs> like <laughs> well let's, let's do that then Let, let's let's do a part two together sometime yeah. in, in the near future here let's talk about meme coins we'll get an update on hover and um and yeah man but thank you for taking the time today it's been really great good conversation um, I think people will really enjoy it. Take a lot away from this episode. Oh man, that's uh, a pleasure to be here, man. And I always want to be able to, you know, help out. And uh, I think it's a great opportunity. I'm I'm pretty glad that Beepom's got out to you and uh, and had you host me. Really fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. So um, yeah, we'll wrap it up here. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on, everyone in the audience. Please go check out Hover. Check out Vincent. If you have questions, you want to stalk him. You know where to go. We'll put everything in the description as well in terms of links and uh, redirecting you. And uh, yeah, so Vincent, thank you. Really appreciate it. Let's talk again soon.
Yeah, thank you so much. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. One more update here on Nitro Betting. They have so much to offer. I really want you guys to check it out. Um, in regards to casino games, you know, you can do anything from play poker to probably blackjack, you know, uh, as well as, you know, if you want to wager NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, um, MMA and motorsports and European sports or in video games, you want to bet when it comes to League of Legends, Counter-Strike, Rocket League, Call of Duty and, and so many others. There's a lot you can take advantage of. It's it's not a simple sports book, a simple gambling site. You know, Nitro Betting is an all-in-one place for you to have fun and do what you like to do with your crypto, with your money. So make sure to go check out nitrobetting.eu. See you guys next time for the next episode of the podcast.